I had just attended the first meeting of a new LGBTQ plus group that was being formed at a parish. It was a Saturday afternoon and um, after the group meeting, I decided to stay for mass. I remember feeling somewhat uncomfortable since this was one of the first times ever attending mass alone and um, I didn't really know anyone at the parish. During the homily, something amazing and unexpected happened. The priest celebrating the mass um, mentioned the new LGBTQ ministry and called Catholics to show compassion to all LGBTQ people. He then went on to highlight the new ministry as call for Catholics to include everyone. To be honest, I felt kind of shocked to hear the words LGBTQ used in a homily, um, especially in a positive light. I remember being in awe of what I had just witnessed, and um, it felt amazing to be called by name. It was also the first time that I felt that I was genuinely being invited to partake in God's love. This is an experience that I will definitely never forget, and uh, since then has made me more confident in believing that I have a place in the mystical body of Christ. Welcome to Tabardin, everybody. weekly podcast about the stories we tell and the events we discuss while on pilgrimage as queer Catholics full of Christ's love. <laughs> I'm Jacob Flores, dog dad, proponent of mass transit, and uh, I'm proving myself to be uh, kind of a groomzilla as we plan our wedding in three months. Not that bad, but I'm his fiance, Pat Gothman. I am a hater of the term fur baby. I flew on See, that was whiskey that was just, uh, you, heard, you heard everybody. Uh, hater of the term fur baby, I flew on 64 flights in the month of September because I'm a flight attendant. And I used to think that the outfit I looked best in was a cassock, which I am just now realizing is a very telling gay fact about me. All right, Jacob, what do we have on the podcast today? Okay, so uh, first we'll take a look at Rachel Hell Evans's final article. Then we'll discuss Pope Francis's opening of the Synod on the Amazon. Um, and then we'll take a look at the recent Supreme Court cases around LGBTQ people in the workplace. And as always, we'll close by toasting what inspired us and uh, moved us this week. Okay, so Pat, so since you and I have a drink every time we record this podcast... And do our best not to snort it out, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um... What is your go-to autumn slash winter drink? Go-to autumn slash winter drink? Uh, I would say my favorite, even though it's kind of hard to get because it's not usually served in like bars or anything, is wassail, um, which is kind of more of a home thing that you make. But that will instantly put me in the, it is the perfect time of year, autumn slash winter. Absolutely. Very fragrant drink. It's, okay, it's very fragrant. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. Fragrant. All right, what's your go-to drink? Um, I was probably gonna say a hot toddy. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, hot toddy. Uh, yeah, kind of in the same family, kind but basic, yours but is yours no, is better. <laughs> Does yours have cloves with or uh, oranges punctured with cloves? No, just whiskey and. It's a good place lemon. to start. Okay. 
All right. Well, on Tuesday, Rachel Held Evans's final unfinished article was released by her husband, Dan. Written before she died, it outlined her evolution to becoming affirming of queer identities and relationships. She wrote, quote, Professors at my evangelical college argued against the legalization of same-sex marriage, but had no problem with remarriage after divorce remaining legal, despite biblical prohibitions against it. I never saw anyone kicked out of church for the, quote, lifestyle sins of greed or gluttony or gossip. We didn't argue that bakers should be able to refuse service to cohabitating heterosexual couples. It was like how in Jesus' day everyone acknowledged themselves as sinners, and yet there remained a special classification for, you know, capital S, sinners. Interestingly enough, Jesus preferred to associate with the latter. It became clear to me that LGBTQ people were being singled out, marginalized, and rejected. Wow. Um, I honestly didn't know who Rachel was until you informed me after her passing. Yeah, it was right about that time that you kind of started learning about her, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but what I realized after reading more about her um, was that she was my favorite guest on Jesuitical. Right, right, right. She had been on there. and Oh, so you, that was when you put the two and two together. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I, there was just something about her voice and just the way she spoke about her faith and um, her understanding of the Bible. It just really made me fall in love with her. And then when I found out from what you've told me and everything that I found out about after her passing about her advocacy for the LB- LGBTQ community. Um, it was just so heartbreaking to know that she's no longer with us, but yeah, I, I think um, a lot of so-called Christians, people within the church, even the Catholic church could definitely learn a thing or two. from. And I've never met anybody that read any of her articles or listened to her being interviewed or a talk that she gave that didn't walk away thinking there's something about her that is just so authentic and compelling and compassionate that even folks who really disagree with what they're saying say, I got to respect her positions and that her heart is in it. And and God knows she's managed to change a lot of hearts and, and minds along the way. I know Rachel had a big impact on me when I was struggling with Catholicism, let alone Christianity, like feeling like I just had no place in the church. And She was so insistent that everybody had a place with God and that the church kind of basically, it wouldn't be truly the church and fully the church until it realized and affirmed that fact that everybody had a place with God. So seeing that this was the last article that she was working on when she got sick and and when she died, like, I don't know, there's just something deeply consoling to me about kind of having this pop up now kind of a couple of months after her death and, and seeing what she was was working on, even though it's kind of an unfinished piece. Um, Rachel had this incredible gift for calling out kind of the bullshit in Christianity, like for just clearing out the hypocrisy and just focusing like a laser on the essentials of of love that that you can see on display there in that quote and in the larger article, which I really recommend everybody go find and read. Dan, her husband, wrote that she had been working on this draft for a long time and never got to a place where she was able to publish it. And... I don't know. I think maybe I'm projecting here or just imagining what was going on, but I think that shows how much Rachel wanted to get this topic, especially right. Like how much she had been convinced that it was a major issue that the church needs to get right. And she wanted desperately to help the rest of the church get there. I don't know. Reading this today, it just, it made me miss her a lot. Definitely. Rachel's with the angels. Okay. So for a second topic, On Monday, Pope Francis began the weeks-long Synod of Bishops with a theme, Amazonia, New Pathways for the Church and for an Integral Ecology. Cardinal Claudio Humez 
Basically, the showrunner of the Synod had to say this. The church cannot remain inactive within her own closed circle, focused on herself, surrounded by protective walls, and even less can she look nostalgically to the past. The church needs to throw open her doors, knock down the walls surrounding her and build bridges, going out into the world and setting out on the path of history. In these times of momentous changes, the church must always walk next to everyone, and especially those living on the margins of humankind. So, Pat, uh, can you tell me a little bit about what a synod actually is or does? Yeah, a synod is something that happens usually every few years. It's something that the church is trying to do more of. It's basically a gathering of a select group of bishops along with the pope and even some non-clergy experts and observers to discuss and kind of create a plan for some pastoral issue in the church. So, for example, in 2014, they had a synod on the family. And in 2018, there was one for young people. And this is one that's focused focused specifically on the Amazon region. This synod seems to have two rather kind of large issues that they're trying to tackle. One is the environment and our relationship with it, especially in the midst of climate change. And the second is basically how can the church better relate to parts of the world that aren't European or even run by European descendants. And the Amazon is kind of like a crystallized representation of all those areas. And so the church is trying to focus on how it can better focus its mission on that region, but also kind of take some of those lessons and apply it to other parts of the world. Okay, so I just have to say that Catholic Twitter is really ugly right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm seeing a lot of disgust towards the Synod on the Amazon um, a lot of people wondering why this is even happening, but mostly I'm seeing a lot of um, just vitriol and hatred towards uh, what we're not used to. Um, so seeing um, one example is the the pious man with the feathers on his head uh, bringing up the offerings. And then also there was the, um, the young woman who was carrying the book of gospels uh, down the aisle. Just there's a lot of people on Twitter that are just sickened by this which is sickening for me to see um it's just it reminds me of a lot of like nationalistic views and placing otherness on these residents or the amazonian people it, it just doesn't make any sense to me i mean and, and the catholic church is supposed to be universal correct and yeah. so yeah i mean and there's there's 100 percent. there's a lot of ugliness that's coming out um, especially online in, in kind of places like Twitter where, where folks can just sound off. But even in some higher parts of the church, there's some real ugliness coming out in response to seeing, like you mentioned, a man bringing the, the uh, gifts down the altar wearing a traditional feather headdress, um, a woman dancing, presenting the, the, the gospel, uh, even though there's some definite biblical precedence precedents for that. Maybe look up David dancing. But there are parts of the church that are basically showing kind of some, some racist bones when seeing basically the church pivot and focus to something that's non-European. And so exactly. what they're feeling like it's an abandonment of their Catholicism when they've because they've only ever ex experienced this very European-centric version of Catholicism. They're asking, where is my organ? Where is my, you know, my white pastor and my examples of, of piety that are rooted basically in European nobility rather than asking, are there other parts of the world that express piety, devotion, devotion, 
love, affection in other ways. And basically in the same way that they would be um, revolted and off-put by folks showing that kind of affection towards, um, you know, family and, you know, governmental leadership and all those kind of areas where we typically show reverence in other parts of life, seeing it happen in a liturgical setting, they are losing it right now. They're not out to steal your vestments, your incense, even though they probably have their incense already. Right. Um, they're, they're not trying to change you or the church. They're worshiping God in the way that they know and in the way that is finding an intersection with Catholicism. Yeah, and not just in the way that they know, but in a way that is legitimate, like that is truly pious. And I think there's a strong tendency of folks who have never experienced any sense of the global church to really see this as backwater, as influenced by, you know, pagan rituals and all this kinds of stuff that are, yeah, they're really showing just how kind of ignorant and sheltered they are in these moments. Yeah, you're not protecting um, the faith or the church, you're protecting your own faith that you believe is ideal. Yeah, I I genuinely hope that there are enough bishops and um, experts at this synod that can really speak out and really be a a witness to a a church that has traditionally been European-centric that but is learning to be a truly global church. And I think this is a a moment that the church can grow up in a, a big way. It's a small moment. Even though the synod is taking place in Rome, it's a moment to to learn from the rest of the world. And I, I really hope that they, they take this moment and try to not just become better pastors for that region, but also learn from that region. They need, they need our prayers. Amen. Amen. So as many of you are probably already watching or keeping in touch with, um, with a lot of anxiety, in a massive test for civil rights, the Supreme Court heard arguments on three cases Tuesday, which will decide the fate of the LGBTQ workplace discrimination in the United States. The first two cases asked whether the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 covers sexual orientation when it prohibits employment discrimination on the basis of sex. The third case debated whether transgender people should be protected under Title VII from workplace discrimination due to their identity as trans people or gender stereotyping. Only 21 states currently have laws prohibiting discrimination based on sexual identity. While the Supreme Court is not expected to decide the case until next year, if they rule that trans people and sexual orientation is covered under the Civil Rights Act, it would extend the protections to all 50 states. So we're not going to go into details of the three cases other than to say that based on the way arguments went on Tuesday, it looks like it's going to be a close decision. Rather, we would like to talk about it from a Catholic perspective and ask what employment rights should queer people have in just government and what role should conscience play in Catholic employers who have LGBTQ employees. All right, well, I guess I'm glad that these cases are being brought before the court. I guess I'm just nervous as hell that it's being done before this court, specifically with the justices that are currently sitting on the court. Of course, just passing the Equality Act would solve all this by actually making workplace discrimination illegal, but Republicans don't want anything to do with that. So uh, let me get, ask you this, Jacob. If a Catholic owns a small business and believes that, you know, say they believe everything the catechism teaches about gay people, should they be allowed to fire an employee that comes out to them? That's going to be a hard no 
for okay. me. Agreed. Why? Um, just based on the current protections that are in Title Seven, I don't understand why sexual orientation or being transgender, your gender identity, um, should matter. That should be lumped in there. Um, I, I I don't know. It's just hard for me to really get this into words because it boils my blood and gets under my skin. Yeah, no, I totally understand it. And it seemed like the justices in the arguments that were heard today kind of were getting there. Um, even Neil Gorsuch, who's a Trump appointee, was pushing back and saying like, so you're saying that if a man loves a man, then you can fire him. But if that person was a woman and the, they loved a man, then you wouldn't be able to fire him. So basically you're saying on the basis of their sex, you can fire them. Like yeah. that was coming from conservative, super conservative. Exactly. Neil Gorsuch mm-hmm. was able to like do that arithmetic in his head and say, really doesn't seem like you should be able to fire somebody based uh, off of their sexual orientation, sexual orientation or their gender identity. Um, it's crazy to me. I don't understand why your personal faith should allow you to fire somebody for like who they are. Like it, it just, I cannot imagine being at in workplace at a private institution and some, my boss coming up to me and just being like, because you love Jacob, like you're gone. That's boggling. Yeah. Me. And I, and a lot of the arguments that I see uh, from a lot of conservative Christians, they say, well, if we allow protections on same sex attraction or gay marriage, then what else are we going to allow? I can say the same thing about if we're going to allow y'all to fire us for being in a same-sex relationship, being gay or being trans, then what else can you fire people for? Yeah, absolutely. And what else can you do to people besides fire them? Exactly. Yeah. So, Pat, if the Supreme Court decides in favor of the gay and trans folks, would that ruling apply to religious institutions like Catholic schools? I guess that's up to the court. It's kind of unlikely, though. They would most likely carve out some kind of religious exception where if you were religiously affiliated, your organization could still fire anybody you wanted just on religious grounds. Um, I guess the question needs to be raised, though, is why would you? Why would you want to fire somebody even if you they were even if they were working in a religious institution? Like what is so abhorrent about gay people? that you can no longer serve the homeless with them at your side? Like, what is so disgusting about bisexual people that you can no longer teach young children if they are teaching in your Catholic classroom down the hall? And what is so important about trans people that you can no longer care for the sick in your hospitals with them carrying right alongside you? Like, what mission of Jesus precisely is compromised if the queer community is taking part? I don't know. So for me, it is a... A bit of a just a red herring and a folks who are getting worked up about a whole lot of nothing that you really really don't understand when it comes down to it. I hope that the justices do take a good long time to discuss this one. I hope that they come out with some good protections for queer folks. Um, All I know is they're not supposed to decide it until June 2020, which is Pride Month. So either we're going to get Uh, a lovely present or a really shitty one from the Supreme Court and we'll just have to wait and see SCOTUS really uh, loves the surprises don't they (laughs) yes they do alright so what are we toasting this week Jacob 
All right, so uh, with the bourbon that I almost spit out earlier in the podcast, uh, I'm going to do a big toast to Jimmy Carter, my man, um, dedicated to serving communities in need. So a day after falling at home, um, receiving a shiner and 14 stitches, he went right back to helping communities in need uh, with building stuff. Did y'all see that photo of Jimmy Carter? He looked like he had gotten beaten up. Okay, that's scary. I don't like the idea of thinking about an old man getting beaten up, but okay, but he he looked did, rough. Did look great. He looked like he had gotten rough up, and he was out there working his butt off for Habitat Humanity, like he always does. We love Jimmy Carter. All right, and I am toasting Dan Evans, Rachel Held Evans' husband. It must have been really painful to go through Rachel's computer and try and kind of piece together this article that he posted on her behalf, but I imagine that she would have really liked it, and I know that I'm deeply grateful that he posted it on her behalf. So cheers to Jimmy Carter and to Dan Evans. All right, y'all, that is it for Tabard Inn this week. Make sure that you sign up for our Vine and Fig newsletter that goes out every Monday with our news, inspiration, and history section for the week. I've been really appreciating the inspiration section lately. There's been some really great stuff that we've been able to put together and share with everybody. Please make sure you go and subscribe to that. You can also support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash vineandthigco. And you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help folks find some affirming content that they may need in their lives. Hey, and if you're not already part of our Slack community, I say go ahead and join. It's uh, a really thriving community, and the more introductions and stories I hear from people, the the stronger for me my faith grows. Yeah, absolutely. Please come join us. Come hang out with us. We have some really great discussions on our private and secure Slack community where you will be safe and affirmed. No outing. All right. Bye, y'all. Have a great week. Bye.